Amen. One more time, let's do that to Jesus. Amen. Let's let him know how much we love him. Let's let him know how, how much we want to hear from him, how much we want to feel his presence, how grateful we are for what we've already felt so far. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. I am thankful for what we feel here today. Amen. And uh, we're going to turn to the word of the Lord here in just a moment. And you can remain standing just so you don't have to hop up and down too many times. And uh, we are going to, well, before we do that, I wonder if we could do this. I wonder, I, I just feel right now one more time, if we could just, excuse me, if we could just bow our heads one more time if we could just pray right now. I feel like God just wanted me to stop for a second and pray. Let's just pray right now before we go any further. Jesus, not our will, but thy will be done. Jesus, do what only you can in this place. Heal every heart. Heal every mind. Fix what only you can fix. In Jesus' name, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to go to the book of Acts we'll be reading from, and uh, we are going to read from Acts 17 and verse 28, Acts 17 and verse 28, and uh, you can just leave that up there on the screen. While you're turning there, what a privilege and honor it is to be back with you on a Sunday morning, I mean that. I won't belabor the point every Sunday, but I, I just truly feel grateful every time I'm here, and I always want to mention that, give honor to your wife with me, and uh, see so many friends and familiar faces, love and appreciate all of you, and uh, thankful for what God's been doing around here at this church, at the Daughter Works, thankful for every person that's been touched and filled, renewed, baptized. We're thankful, and last but certainly not least, to all the young people that came out last night uh, as we sat in that back room and uh, just just talked together and shared a little bit from my heart. Thank you for listening, for being here, and for praying so attentively. Uh, there was some of the young people renewed in the spirit last night, and we're thankful for that. Thank you for coming. Amen. Acts 17 and 28. Amen. As you can see on your screen, it's one of my favorite scriptures. And it says this, for in him... That is, of course, in Jesus. We live and move and have our being or our reality, our true existence. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. You're thankful to be one of his kids? Come on, are you thankful you got a heavenly father that loves you and cares about you? What I want to talk to us about today with the help of the Lord is this title, What Story Are You Living In? What Story Are You Living In? Before we pray and before you're seated, last week, and we're thankful for what God did last week, as I was preaching, I made a comment about the stories that we live in. Some of you may remember, some of you may not, it's fine, but when I made that comment, I just felt, I felt like there was something deeper. 
And if we wanted to, we could have just totally explored that concept and just dived head into that. And I felt the Lord impress upon me and lead me to develop this further because I feel like there's some things in that area that God wants to help somebody uh, deal with and understand today. So whether you're a guest, whether you're a first-time visitor, second-time visitor, whether you're a saint of, of, of this church, a member of this church, I believe God has something for us today. And if you want to step into a greater story today, if you want to step into that story where Jesus is the author and the finisher of it, I wonder before we go any further, if you'd lift your hands one more time and let's invite Jesus into this place. Come on. If you need the Holy Ghost today, if you've never had the experience of speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, He can give that to you today. If you've never had your sins washed away in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, God can absolutely perform that for you today. If you are here and you need freedom from depression, from anger, from fear, from bitterness, from jealousy, from anxiety, from whatever it is that might try to weigh you down this morning, God has sent his spirit and his power here today to set somebody free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and that's why we have felt what we have felt in this house this morning because the spirit of the Lord is here with us. If you're thankful for that and if you want more of that spirit, put your hands together and great expectation and great praise unto God. Come on, for a few more seconds, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, come on. Things have already been breaking here in this house today. There is a liberating spirit in the house of God today for anybody that wants it. Put your hands together. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Amen. As I just mentioned, can I say at the outset of this message today that, that the reason why, if you have never been here before, if you've recently been visiting, and you just saw grown men and grown women jumping up and down with joy and delight and running around these aisles, and you're not sure why, before I dive into this today, can I tell you, it's because we used to live in a different existence, in a different story that was marked by suffering, marked by shame, sin, and depression. And many of us, myself included, know what it's like to dance at parties on Friday nights and to dance in the clubs and, and to dance in a, a inappropriate and wrong type of manner. So when we used to live in that story and we used to embody that existence when we were saved, when we were washed in the blood of Jesus in baptism and when we were filled with his spirit speaking in tongues and when God delivered us from all kinds of different situations, we just cannot help but praise him a little bit. We just cannot help but dance a little bit. I just want you to know and understand why we were doing what we were just doing because we felt liberty come into this place and we know that we have liberty from what used to bind us and what we used to be addicted to. I can't speak for anybody else but I was jumping and I was dancing because I remember how I used to live and I remember the darkness I used to live in but God brought me out of darkness and brought me into oh I wish somebody would hear me right now he brought me out of darkness and into his marvelous light I used to live in a story marked by shame depression fear and addiction and now 
I live in a story marked by liberty, marked by freedom, marked by peace, marked by joy. Come on, I got some of us responding, but there's some of us that need this the most. Amen. That this might be falling on deaf ears. I would, I would that you would open your heart and open your mind and open your ears and know that the Spirit of the Lord is here and that's why there is so much liberty. That's why there's people shouting and praising and clapping their hands. Nobody's making them. But we can't help but rejoice over what God has done for us. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on, some of us that don't know what all this is about, some of you, if you're visiting here, can I tell you, this is not just for the saints. I am not just here preaching, amen, to to just remind the saints of where God brought them from, although that is, of course, partly what I'm doing, amen. In this moment today and in this message today, I am wanting you, if you have never been here before, if this is new to you, I am wanting you to look around when you see in a moment just like that where people cannot help but get out of their pew, where there's not just 25 year olds expressing energy about God but 55 and 65 and 75 as much as their body will allow they are up praising and worshiping this is abnormal you don't see this in the world today but can I tell you this is not fake joy this is not put on joy this is not put on liberty you can feel genuine joy in this house of the Lord today and I can't think of anything that the world needs more today than real joy and real peace and real liberty. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You're looking at somebody that used to be an ex, I'm an ex-cynic. I'm an ex-pessimist. Amen. You couldn't convince me that the skies were blue and the sun was shining, even if it was right in my face. You're looking at somebody that would find the dark storm cloud in every situation. You're looking at somebody that used to pride himself in finding the negative in any situation and finding how he can always go wrong. But God took this boy, and he's still working on me, and he allowed me to feel joy and liberty. I did not used to be this way. I used to be a depressed, sad, young punk, but here I am, and when I was jumping and dancing, I had a genuine smile on my face, not because I'm anything special, but because he's good, and he's mighty, and he brought me out, and he set me free. If you need genuine joy, and genuine deliverance, and genuine freedom, you have come to the right place this morning. Hallelujah. That's the story I used to be living in. A story of, I'm sure, I'm sure, and this is not a knock on doctors. I'm thankful for doctors. Amen. But, but I know that if I would have gone and checked myself into the clinic, amen, with the state I was in, I'm sure they would have prescribed me some prescription narcotics, and I'm sure that they would have put me on antidepressants. And I'm not here to, that's, that's not a statement on, on anything like that. I'm not saying anything other than what I'm specifically saying, and that is that that's what they would have done because that is some of their tools. That's, that's what they have to use and what they have to work with, amen. And, and, I, and I'm glad in my story that I did not, amen, because when I came to the Lord and when I got on my knees and repented of my sins and gave myself to him that was the greatest antidepressant drug that I could ever take that was the greatest remedy for my depression that I could ever take Jesus Christ is the most effective pill 
that you and I can never swallow. I'm going to say that again. Jesus Christ is the most effective pill that you and I can ever swallow. And did you realize that most of the healing that, is, that occurs in your body is done by your body itself? You know, sometimes we think when we pop a magic pill, whether it's Tylenol or ibuprofen or whatever else it is, we think that magic pill does all the healing. That's actually not what happens. Whenever you take something, it triggers a mechanism in your body that was not working as it should, and then your body proceeds to heal itself, whether temporarily or whether long term. So what we need most of the time when we take any kind of pill or medication, and we all do it, nothing wrong with that. I'm not against that. I'm saying what happens is, is we think that all the power is in that pill, but the power is actually in our body, and the pill just triggers the healing that's already in our body. And can I tell you, it's similar with faith. You have more healing that can take place in you that, than you realize. You, you have more potential in you that you realize, and you think that it's going to take all this stuff to fix everything. But what you need is faith in God. What you need is repentance and that will trigger healing in your spiritual body. That will trigger the healing that's always been there just waiting to take place. I'm telling you, some physical sicknesses can leave. Some emotional sicknesses can leave. Some spiritual sicknesses can leave. When you allow yourself to have faith in God, that is the medication that will trigger that healing that needs to take place in your life. Amen. Amen. The power is in what Jesus has already given us. The power is in his hands. Amen. And whatever you need today, whatever you face, amen, I'm just, I'm just pushing a little bit because, because there's some of us, amen, that, that, that we, 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 we may not want to hear this and maybe our faith is a little bit low and, and I know you're with me and I know this church loves preaching and I know you're responding, but can I just say in complete love today that there are two or three that God is directing my attention to in this congregation that he wants you to hear the word of the Lord today, amen. But because of whatever is going on in your life, it's easy to just distract yourself it's easy to just say, I'll do whatever I got to do to get through the service and to just kind of nod my head and just be friendly and then go home the same way. Can I tell you, God is not letting me go further in my sermon right now because he is wanting me to stop and make sure that the ears of those he's trying to communicate with are open. Whatever you need today and whatever you need deliverance from, Jesus is still the only and the best answer, the greatest medication that you and I could ever prescribe to. Amen. Amen. Jesus was many things. And one of those things that he was was a magnificent storyteller. Jesus had been telling all kinds of stories for a long time. You see, Jesus, when we talk about the creation story, we know that Jesus was God robed in flesh. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, the scripture says. So, so he knew all about stories. He was the one in the very beginning that formed the world, that formed the oceans, that formed all the animals. And he created this story, this narrative, this general narrative that we all live in. And then, of course, there's the New Testament where he robes himself in flesh. He steps into our story and begins to create a new narrative for everybody and anybody that is hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And he spent his life walking and, and, and teaching and doing miracles and performing signs and wonders. And he would always tell stories to people to try to communicate his point. When he was trying to express about that people needed to be saved or people needed to stop being bitter or people needed to forgive or whatever he, the point he was trying to communicate. 
communicate. He would use something called parables, which a basic definition of that is just a story. He would tell a story, and he would use the details of commonplace life, like farming or cooking and things of that nature, so everybody could relate to the story. And here we are over 2,000 years later, and we still read the stories he told, and we still receive comfort and strength from them. Can I just tell you, that's the power of a story. And Jesus told, theologians have different opinions on this, but anywhere between 35 to 55 uh, 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 stories, parables between the different gospels. And he was constantly telling stories, amen, and using examples and using analogies. When he was talking about the receiving of the Spirit, in fact, he said to, to a man, he's trying to describe it, and he said, the wind blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound thereof, and you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, but, but you hear that sound. So it is with everybody that was born of the Spirit. You see, he was teaching this because he wanted people to remember this on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the wind started blowing and it came on down to that, that upper room where there was 120 people and they began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. He told that story so they would have understanding. They did not see or know whether where the wind was coming from. The only way that they knew the wind was present was because of the sound thereof. That sound of 120 people speaking in other tongues. This is the story that Jesus told. And can I just go off my notes on a rabbit trail for a second and just say that that word when Jesus says you can't tell where it's come from or where it's going, but you hear the sound thereof. And remember this is around the same time when he said that you must be born of the water and of the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. He's talking about being baptized in his name and being filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And so just a few verses later he's talking. He says you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes, but you can hear the sound thereof. Amen. Now I'm no theologian or son of a theologian, but a quick a quick search of this. You see that that word for sound is the Greek word, which is what the New Testament was originally written in, and that Greek word is phone or phoneo, the same word from which we get the English word phonics. So when you hear that, that when you read that scripture, another way of translating that is the wind blows where it wants to, you can't tell where it comes from, where it goes, but you hear the language thereof. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. Another way to translate that word sound is language. And that's because when you receive the real Spirit of God, there will be a supernatural language that comes floating out of your mouth and comes rolling off of your tongue. And Jesus says, so it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. Not just some when they're lucky. He said this is going to be this way with everyone that is born of the Spirit. You will know for sure that they are born of the Spirit when they speak in a supernatural utterance as I give them the enablement to. Amen. And so that's just one example of Jesus giving an analogy. In that case, not really a story, but an analogy. And I don't have time to go through all the parables, but I only told you that in part to remind you of how important, excuse me, of how important stories are. We measure our lives by stories. We organize our lives by stories. We learn the most by stories. I can tell you a few facts about something, but if I can tell you a story about it and include facts in that story, you will learn it, comprehend it, and remember it so much easier. 
because we love stories. We organize our lives by stories. Amen. We live according to the greatest story ever told, which was that God robed himself in flesh, came and died for our sins and was rose again on the third day so we could all experience life and salvation. That's a pretty incredible story. I don't know about you, but that's the story that I want to make sure I'm living in. Amen. For those of us that maybe have forgotten, in the Old Testament, when David was confronted with his sin, and he was, he was uh, confronted because he had just committed adultery, and he had just had the, the, the husband of the woman that he committed adultery with murdered. He had committed a grave error and a grave sin. And the prophet Nathan knew he had to confront David, and he thought, how am I going to do this? David needs to see what he did. And what did Nathan do? He did not come up to David and just bonk him on the head and, and begin to, 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 to curse at him or whatever else. No, he came up to him and he told David a story. And David agreed with the story even before he knew that the story was about himself. What an incredible wise tactic of Nathan. And guess what? When David saw the truth in the story, he said, I am that man. I am the man in that story. I am the one that's guilty. So here again is just another example of the power of a story. So with all that being said, I'm going to repeat to you something that I said last week and I felt in the Holy Ghost to say again for those of us that are here. I heard a statement, a quote that changed my life not too long ago. And someone once said, you cannot become your true self if you are living in a false story. You will never find your true self if you are living in a false story. In this world we live in today, everyone is trying to find out more about themselves. I'm just trying to do me. I'm just trying to find out more about me. I'm doing yoga and meditation and Tony Robbins books and everything else because I'm trying to find out who I am and what I am. This is a normal occurrence. Why? Because the world in America today is having an identity crisis. And listen, ultimately, I don't think it's a bad thing that you're trying to find your identity. I think that's a good thing. But you will never find your identity if you're looking for it in the wrong places. You will never find your true identity if you are searching for it in a false story. And that's why I read that text, Acts 17 and 28, because the Bible says, in him we live and we move and we have our story. We have our being. We have our reality. You will never find yourself outside of Jesus Christ. You will never find out what you're capable of outside of Jesus Christ. You will never find out your true personality and your true potential outside of Jesus Christ. Only in him do we live and move and have our being and have our true reality. Somebody praise him if you know that's true this morning. Only in him. Only in him. And it breaks my heart, Pastor Mayo, when I look at this world and I look at my generation, but it's not just my generation. When I look at this world and I see that they are so struggling with an identity crisis, they might feel one way when they wake up on Saturday and so they decide that that's their identity. And they might feel a totally different way when they wake up on Sunday and they decide that that is their identity. People uh, uh, purporting themselves on social media to be someone that they're not or people even having multiple accounts on social 
social media where one account they're one way and another account they're different ways. Amen. People going to work and putting on a totally different front for their CEO or their boss and going home and being a totally different person. People who are still struggling with the baggage from their childhood and it has followed them up until adulthood and they still do not know who they are. They don't know how to navigate through life. They don't know who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be. They have some things figured out, but there's still a lot left more to figure out. Can I tell you that you are living in a story that was not destined for you and was not created for you. You are living in a fog. You are living in a scary fairy tale. You are living in a fable. And Jesus is wanting to take you out of that false narrative and bring you into the story of the gospel where you are loved, where you are valued, where you are a child of God, where you're a son of God, where you're a daughter of God, where you're free from all the sickness of this world, free from the mental and emotional anguish of this world, free from the story and the lies and the narrative of this world. And you're only going to find it in him because you're his offspring. You may not be a part of the church yet. You may not be saved yet. But in a general sense, you are still his offspring because we all were made in his image. And you will forever be upset. You will forever be hopeless and meaningless as long as you lived estranged from your creator. You are the created. He is the creator. And until you surrender every aspect of your life to him, till you lay down your life at his feet, you will never find the meaning, the joy, the hope, the purpose, and the power that you could have if you laid everything at his feet. So here we go. As I, as I am actually closer to being done than you might think, I'm going to begin naming some of these false stories that we live in. And I can't hope to name them all. I can't hope to address every falsehood that anybody's ever, ever believed or lived in. But I'm going to address some things, and some of these things are going to hit home for us. And if I don't name your specific situation exactly, but you know that God's still speaking to you, I would implore you, I would encourage you. If I were you, I would do everything I could to make sure I did not leave this sanctuary today without praising and without making the decision that I'm going to step in a greater story that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords bought for me and purchased for me on Calvary. Can I say if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, then you are still living in a story of sin. But once you have your sins washed away, in his blood, you step into a new story where all the record of your sins are washed away. And if you ever mess up or if you ever fall again, all you got to do is get down on your knees and sincerely repent. And that record's still gone because the Bible says he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's the new story that God wants you to inhabit. A story free from sin. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you don't yet know true joy, true peace and happiness. And God is wanting you to step out of your dark story and step into the story of light and be filled with his spirit where you can experience the greatest story ever known. So here are some false stories that we live in and that we believe. And can I tell you that some of these stories on the outset are not all bad. And some of these stories can actually help us when we're a child. You know, we all, we all deal with things when we're children and, and everybody has coping mechanisms. And some of us had to do just everything we could to survive some of our childhoods. And so this is not a knock at all. This is not a bashing. This is to help you. Okay, some of us, we have to adopt these stories and live in these narratives in order to get through childhood. But if you take these stories with you into adulthood, they can severely hurt you. 
And what one man said, what may have helped you in the beginning of life could kill you in the afternoon of life. Because there are some things that are meant to stay. And even the Bible says there's a time to put away childish things. One story maybe that you've been told and that you believed is this. I must perfect myself and perfect others. Because it's never okay to make mistakes. Anybody ever heard that narrative? Anybody ever heard that story before? And you grow up, you take that into adulthood. Amen. And you try to live this perfective life. And you try to always make others perfect. And you try to always uh, 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 be too, maybe too overly hands-on. Because someone once told you when you were younger that it's never okay to make a mistake. And you live your whole life with a mask. Because you cannot let anyone know that you are just as flawed as any other human being. And so you become a chronic perfectionist. Here's one false story that can be told. And of course, all of these stories are completely opposite and antithetical to the gospel. Jesus does not expect anybody to be perfect. In fact, we talked about it last night with the youth. Amen. Paul named a whole bunch of sins to the Corinthians. And he said, and such were some of you. Jesus understands that we are flawed, that we are not perfect, which is why he came to die for each and every one of our sins. If we were perfect, then we would have never needed the cross. Another story that some of us have been told, if I want to be loved, I must succeed at everything. If I want to be loved, I must succeed at everything. Just stay with me here. And so you become a chronic, a chronic perhaps workaholic. Amen. You, 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 you live your life, you take that into adulthood, and you do everything you can to try to let everyone know how well you're doing, how successful you're doing. These are the kinds of people, amen, that are willing to skip out on church and skip out on God and skip out on spiritual realities in order to achieve corporate and secular success because someone told them that they are only worthy dependent on how successful they are at certain things. That's a false story. That's a lie. That's a narrative. How, how about this one? I, I, you, you, you must constantly meet the needs of others because it's never okay to meet your own needs. Has anyone ever been told this before? Has anyone, does this sound familiar to anybody? You must constantly meet the needs of others because it's not okay to meet your own. And so you spend your whole life trying to please everyone else, and on the inside you're going nuts, and on the inside you're going crazy, and you go back to your bedroom just wishing that someone would take notice of what you're doing, and wishing that someone would help you. But then when someone comes along and offers their help, you reject their help. Amen. Because you have this chronic story you've believed that you must constantly meet the needs of others, and you can't let anybody take over, and it's not okay to meet your own needs. So you live in a life of chronic frustration. You live in a life of chronic depletion. I know it's quiet in here, but you just stay with me, amen, and in just a few moments, amen, we are going to experience an absolute liberty and setting free from some of these narratives that I am mentioning. I don't have time to take too much time on all these, so I'm trying to move quickly. Another false story that some of us have believed and subscribed to is someone once told you that it's not okay for you to have your own identity, and if you want to be successful, you have to be like someone else. So you grew up never, never exploring your own core, never exploring your own abilities and what you're really made of. Instead, you lived your life learning how to shift between different masks. And in your closet, you've got 15 or 20 different masks and you struggle to really know who you even are. Your identity is made up in the masks that you wear. 
These are the kinds of people that sadly they, they, they go and they will, they will portray themselves at work, portray themselves on social media. These are the people that feel like they cannot leave their house without putting on an entire mask of different artificial things or different artificial makeup or whatever that might be. And I'm not saying that to be unkind or mean to anybody, but you have to ask yourself, how did we end up living in a world where there are people that cannot even leave their home without putting on a mask? They are so afraid that people will think that they're ugly or not beautiful. So before they leave their home, they have to put that mask on. I cannot think of a more dysfunctional idea. And we hear the world talk about objectifying women. And I agree, there's a lot of that sadly going on in our world today. But one of the worst things that, in my opinion, that anybody can do to objectify a woman is to tell them that you are not beautiful and you cannot leave your house until you have put your mask on every morning. It's getting quiet in here. Can I just be real? I'm not a woman. I don't know the, the struggles of women. I know there are women are incredible. My wife is incredible. I can't even relate or understand all the struggles you go to. But this is something I feel very, very passionate about because for you to feel that way somewhere along the line, you believe the lie that either society or family or someone told you that it's not okay for you to have your own identity. And if you want to be successful, you have to dress like someone else. You have to look like someone else. And you can't just be truly who you want to be. And if you think that I'm just just, just preaching fluff today, can I remind you that even in our society, and I'm just, I'm just getting plain and real here for a moment, even in our society, amen, there has been celebrities in, in our very own society that will get on social media or get on their network, amen, and they will talk about themselves, the need to go without makeup, and the need to live a pure, to, 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 to realize that your identity and your value does not come from that, amen, so there'll be hashtags like no makeup Mondays, or there'll be people that'll go a week without makeup. Up. And everybody's on there clapping and applauding and saying, girl, you're beautiful. You don't need that anyway. This is good. This is helpful. Why? Because even the world understands that somehow we ended up in this weird dysfunctional place where nobody can have their own identity and you can only have your identity and the artificiality that you might wear or the clothes you put on or the trends that you subscribe to. Sir, ma'am, you are better than that. You are more than that. You have an incredible identity. God wants you to realize your true identity in him. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are beautiful just the way he made you. You are special just the way he made you. He wants you to understand when you look in the mirror that you are beautiful, that you belong to him and nobody else. Hallelujah. And I've got to hurry, and please understand, none of that, please know the spirit I'm saying that. I'm speaking that in love. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm not here to put judgment on you, anything like that. I'm just here to let you know that there is, I believe, a better way of doing things. And I believe we have to constantly look at and evaluate the things we do and ask ourselves, is this a part of the old story, or is this a part of the Jesus story? Is this a part of the world that I'm subscribing to, or is this a part of the Lord that I'm subscribing to? Is this, is this Christianity that I'm doing, or is this just... Americanism. We, we've got to be able to look at ourselves and ask ourselves those questions. Amen. You are beautiful just the way you are. You're beautiful just the way God made you. You don't need to have a different identity. You, you, you don't need to go find a plastic surgeon and change everything about yourself. You're beautiful the way God made you. And you need to find people that affirm that in you and not people that tell you, oh my goodness, 
you, you need to go change or you need to go put this on. You need people that can look at you for who you are and say, sir or ma'am, you're lovely, you're awesome, you're beautiful just the way that you are. Another false narrative that we've heard or that we believe is that it's not safe to feel too happy. <laughs> Some of you, I'm sorry, is this too plain for us? Are we all right? Everybody okay? Because the world is scary, you've been told. And the world is so bad, you've been told. That the moment you get happy, something will happen that will leave you disappointed. So you might as well just stay guarded and sad and melancholy all the time. That's a false narrative that you've been living in. So every time you start to experience real joy, and maybe you come into the environment of joyful people, you guard yourself because you say, hey, I like what I see, but you know what? That's not too safe. You're a little too joyful. Pastor Mayo, you've got a little too much liberty. I don't know if that's safe. I don't know if I can be around that. Because you believe the lie that everything in your life is just going to fall apart in a moment's notice. So you might as well just be cynical and melancholy all the time. That's a lie. That's a false narrative. That's a false story that Jesus wants you to step out of and begin living in his truth today. What's another lie? I'm moving quickly. In order to be safe, you have to know everything. You have to know everything as much as you can. It's not okay to not know something. It's not okay to not be a jack of all trades. Constantly memorize, learn everything that you can. Be an infomaniac. Amen. Let everyone know how knowledgeable you are. Talk about all the things that you know all the time. Amen. In order to impress others because you have believed this lie that in order to be safe, you have to know everything. You might stay up till 2 or 3 in the night learning about something because you feel like you will not be safe or secure unless you know everything you can about any given subject. Can I tell you in the world that we live in, there's no way that you can know everything. And Paul said, I know a lot of things, but there's one thing I want to know more than anything else. I want to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul had the equivalent of several PhDs and he said, I count all of that as dung. What is more important to know more than anything else is not all the information. I want transformation. More than information is important, I believe transformation is more important. And I am going to know Jesus Christ more than I know anything or anybody else. You want to feel safe in the world? Get to know Jesus like you've never known him before. You want to feel safe in the world? Get to know your Bible like you've never known it before. Hey, man, I'm moving quickly here. Another lie that we've been told that we believe is that, is that it's not okay to have some of these blend together, but that it's not okay to have confidence in yourself because you will never be good enough or strong enough where you can have confidence in your own core and conscience. You can never have confidence in the fact that, you know what, you might actually be, of course, with the help of God, a little bit better of a person that you think you are. So you live in self-loathing. You live in insecurity. You live hating yourself. Every time you look in the mirror, you wish you could rip it off the wall because someone once told you a false story that it's not okay to have confidence in yourself because you will forever be weak and you will forever be anemic and you will never have strength to operate and to move and live throughout the world. So you live inside with the curtains drawn, afraid of everything because somebody told you this false narrative and it's a lie. You can step out of that and have a spirit of boldness from Jesus Christ. Another lie we've been told, another false story that we need to step out of today is that no one is going to be there for you when you need it. So depend on no one. 
trust no one because you are all you need to survive. And you need no one else but yourself. How many times do we see people living in this existence, refusing to trust people, not wanting to go to church because you look at everyone cynically and thinking that they're all out to get you and that they all hate you because someone once told you in your life that no one is going to be there for you when you need it. So you're perpetually afraid and perpetually proud because you've come to trust in yourself more than you can trust in anything or anyone else. But can I tell you that even you will fail yourself. Even you will let yourself down. In fact, the greatest letdowns you'll ever experience in life is when you let yourself down. Can I tell you that there are people who will be there for you. And there are people that you can trust. And more importantly, there's a God in heaven that will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. You may have not been able to depend on different people in your life or your family. But you can certainly depend on Jesus Christ. I don't care if your dad wasn't there, your mom wasn't there. Maybe they never showed up at a ball game. Maybe they never showed up at a concert recital. So you live in this false narrative. Listen, I'm sorry that that happened. I know that's hard and not fun. But Jesus will always show up to the concert recital. Jesus will always show up to the job interview. Jesus will always be there to pat you on the back and say, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. Come on. Step out of that false story. Step out of that false narrative and believe that Jesus will never leave you. He's there for you. You can trust in him. You can lean on him. You can rely on him. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You're not an island to yourself. You do need people. You need God and you need the people of God. Another lie that's been told to us is that it's not okay to be vulnerable ever. Dominate everyone or be dominated yourself. And these are the kinds of people that desperately need God and they want him and they feel something bubbling up inside them in a church. I've seen it all the time. But they cannot come to the altar and they will not lift their hands and pray until they step out of that false story and realize that it's okay and it's right and it's needed to be vulnerable in the presence of God. And God will not let you down and he will not dominate you. You don't have to spend the rest of your life dominating others, trampling on others, stepping on others. You can say it's because you're tough and because you're strong. But the truth is it's because you're afraid that if you don't dominate them, that they'll dominate you. And so you take out your steamroller and you take out the big guns and you dominate everything and everyone in your path. Jesus is wanting to set you free from that false story and give you a new measure of freedom and love and vulnerability. Hey Amen. I'm moving quickly here. I want the musicians to come. Hey Amen. Another false narrative that's been told is that your presence does not matter. And it's not okay to assert yourself and express your opinion. Because your presence does not matter. Growing up, you tugged at the sleeves and the curtails of mom and dad and other adults forever to be ignored. And you were told, whether explicitly or implicitly, that your presence does not matter. You would go away from play from hours. You'd come back home and say, Mom, Dad, did you know where I was? Did you miss me? And they sit with their eyes glued to the TV screen, never even knowing that you left. And you were told a message because your parents or because family or friends were so dysfunctional. Not because there was anything wrong with you. They had the problem. And their dysfunction bled into you and you believed the lie that your presence does not matter. So you spend the rest of your life just being fearful. 
you can't assert yourself, can't express your opinion. You just, you just let, you just take the blows. You just get hit and you go and you bleed and, and you're bruised and you'll just recover later. It's all right. It's better to be stepped on. It's better to be hurt. It's better to be pushed and punched than to express my opinion because my opinion and my life really doesn't matter. Who told you that? Who lied to you? Who put you in that false story that's never been true to begin with? Jesus is saying, your presence matters so much to me. Jesus is saying, I just look at you from afar, and I'm just so glad to see you. You know what Jesus, the father told the prodigal son in that story? He saw the prodigal son coming from, from miles away, and he was there on the front porch with his arms open wide, just glad to have his son back in his presence. That's the way Jesus looks at us. Your presence matters so much to him. Did you know that even if you've gone a week without prayer, and I'm not saying that's good, but even if you have, and you finally decide to get on your knees and come to him and pray, Jesus is not looking at you and counting down all the days that you missed and waiting for you to make it back up. Jesus Jesus has tears in his eyes, and he says, I'm just so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're in my presence. I'm so glad that you're at my feet. Your presence matters. I care about you. I love you. You can express yourself. You can exert yourself. You have confidence in me. Jesus is telling you, you are loved for who you are for who you are, for who I made you to be. My love is unconditional. And you grew up in a story that was told that love is only given on a conditional basis. Only if you get those A's on your report card. Only if you do this and that exactly right. Then maybe you'll get a pat on the back. Then maybe you'll get an I love you from mom and dad. And Jesus said that's not how it works in this story. My love for you is unconditional. In fact, the Bible says he loved us first before we ever loved him. Amen. We did not do anything to earn that love or deserve that love. But for God's so loved the world, he came down to dwell in it and to die for our sins, even though we had done nothing to merit or deserve that love. That's unconditional. That's the story he wants you to live in, where you stop trying to earn love, where you stop trying to take the whip to your own back and punish yourself and think that the more you do of that, the more that you'll maybe be eventually worthy of love. That's not how this works. Not in God's story. He loves you for who you are. You're valuable because he, you are who he, he says you are. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. You are a son and daughter of God. No longer do I call you servants. He said, I call you friends. I call you sons. I call you daughters. That's the kind of God that we serve. But you've been living a story where you feel so invaluable. You've been going to everyone and anything else to try to gain value. You've been putting yourself in dangerous positions. You've been hurting yourself. You've been unprotected because you've been just trying to get some value and get some worth from somebody or something. But what you don't realize is the people and places you're going to are just as dysfunctional as the dysfunction you're living in. And it's only going to rub off and make it worse. The only way you'll have a true revelation and understanding of your value when you come into the presence of God and you receive his love for you and you realize you are valuable because you are his son or you are his daughter and no other reason, no other explanation needed. The clothing isn't going to make you valuable. The money isn't going to make you valuable. The artificiality is not going to make you valuable. 
the relationships, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the job, all of those things will only leave you still feeling empty and hopeless because you're still living in a false story. Everyone is not out to hurt you. You don't have to dominate everyone. Your presence does matter. Jesus is wanting you to step out of some of those old stories and come into the new story. And can I tell you as I conclude this sermon today that in all these false narratives that I mentioned to you, the common thread in all of them is that there is no grace. In every single false story I described to you, the common thread is there is no grace. It's every person, every man or woman to himself got to figure it out and got to make it work on their own. There is no grace here. There is no mercy. But all of these stories are in direct opposition to what the Bible says about you. Whatever false story you're living in, Jesus has come to say, you can step out of it and you can begin living in the story that Jesus has for you. 1 Timothy 1 and 4 says that we are not to devote ourselves to myths and endless false stories. Why? Because Jesus wants us to live in the true story, in his story. Don't live in a story that is anything other than the gospel story. And you say, what is the gospel story? The gospel story is, as I said before, where there is a perfect God of heaven who did not have to do what he did. But he came down to earth and shed his blood and died for each and every one of you. And he did not just come to earth then, but he came to earth again on the day of Pentecost in spirit form and filled the hearts of every believer. And he's been doing it for 2,000 years. The gospel story is a story where you're loved for who you are, not for all the things that you have to do or try to achieve. The gospel story is where you're a son and daughter of God. The gospel story is where you're equal to everybody else around you. The gospel story is where you are not on disproportionate levels because of your background or your ethnicity or your gender or, or, or your upbringing or anything like that. The gospel story is a story that levels everything and says you are all equally loved by God. The gospel story is a story where you can walk with confidence, where you can walk with faith, where you can walk into that job interview and you can get that new job even though everyone told you it was impossible. The gospel story is where people that were once homeless can come into the church and become CEOs of multi-million dollar companies. The gospel story is where people that used to be prostitutes can be on the praise team. The gospel story is where people that used to be porn addicts can come and be preachers of the gospel. The gospel story is where people who used to struggle with their identity can come and be ushers and be teachers and Sunday school teachers. That's the gospel story that we can live in if we want to. That's the story that God is wanting us to step into. A story of grace. A story of freedom. A story of redemption. A story of virtue. A story of value. A story of true joy and liberty. I want us to stand right now. I took too much time. Amen. So I got to conclude now. I'm, I'm skipping through a whole lot of my notes. Amen. There's so many more Bible examples. There's so many more examples that I can give. But I trust, amen, that, that if God has spoken to you today, even if everything specific wasn't named for you, but you know God's been speaking to you today, in just a moment when I open this altar, I would implore you to come. I would not walk. I would run. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, all you got to do is come and lift your hands. You repent of your sins. You say, how do I step into that new story? The first step is repentance. 
telling him you're sorry for your sins. You're sorry for the old story you lived in and the old lies you believed. And you're not going to live that way anymore. You're going to turn from sin and turn towards God. And when you've uttered that with your mouth and you've meant it from your heart, with your hands raised after you've repented, all you got to do is begin worshiping God. All you got to do is begin saying, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That word means the highest praise. All you got to do is say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you're about to give me. And the more you pray, your mouth and your chin will start stammering. You'll begin feeling something interesting and funny in your mouth. And that's the Lord. That's the Holy Ghost trying to take over your mouth. And you will begin, if you surrender to it, you'll begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And you'll never have to wonder again whether or not God is with you or whether or not God is in you. Because it's a promise. He called the Holy Ghost a promise. For the promise is unto you. The promise of the Father will be poured out on you. And God is so good and so loving. He always comes through on his promises. Another way to step out of the old story and step into the new is to make the decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Where every record of every sin you've ever committed is washed away in the name of Jesus. Past, present, and future sins. The entire record washed away as white as snow and you come out of that water a new creature in Christ you say preacher you don't know what I've done you know I've lived in those false stories for a long time and I've uh, I've committed some horrible egregious sins listen so did the apostle Paul and look what happened with him so did countless disciples so did countless people living in this room around you but God set them free and God delivered them and forgave them. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've toyed with, no matter what you've played with, God can absolutely wash away all of those sins in the waters of baptism. But preacher, my receipt is really long. My bill is a pretty big bill that nobody else can pay. And Jesus comes and says, I've already paid for it. The bill's already been paid. You can walk away from the table now and you can head over and get baptized in my name and have your sins completely removed and washed away because he's already taken care of the bill that you racked up when you lived in your sin and in your shame. I'm going to conclude with this. One of my favorite stories, and there's so many, about somebody who's came, who was living in, an old, living in the old story and stepped out of it into the new. I'll never forget, and if you've heard me tell this story, just humor me as I tell it again. In my home church in Southern California, I'll never forget the day as long as I live. And it really was the day where a lot of things began changing in my ministry as well. I'll never forget when there was a visiting preacher there. And he came to the front and he took his text. And he read his text and he, could, he, he barely got it out of his mouth and he stopped. And there was an awkward, abrupt stop. And he said, listen, this is going to sound crazy to some of you. He said, but God just spoke to me and told me that there's someone that's been living in horrible depression and in a horrible state of affairs. And if you do not come to God, this may be your last service because of some of the things that you're contemplating doing to yourself. He said, I'll just make it plain. There's someone here that's contemplating suicide. In a church of 400 to 450 people, everything stopped. Everybody drew their breath and nothing moved. And he said, I'm not going to move forward in this sermon until whoever that person is comes forward and lets God set you free. Pretty bold, pretty awkward. We sat there not knowing what to do, and he said, church, you need to pray until this person comes. Pray that person out of their seat. So we prayed for 30 to 35 minutes. Nothing happened. The preacher paced back and forth and exhorted and kept pushing and kept pushing. And I'll never forget that moment where there was a lady in our church who had had a backslidden son. 
And I watched as I looked back and I, and I saw her pick him up. And he was willing. He just wasn't able to walk on his own because the drugs had hurt his body so much. And she walked with him. He was only in his 20s, maybe early 30s. She walked with him to that front. And he was weeping every step of the way. He got to the front and the preacher said, it's you, isn't it? And the man acknowledged it was him. He held out his arms and he had scars all up both of his wrists where he had been hurting himself. And this was the man that God stopped an entire service for so that man could step out of the story of death and step into the story of life. The entire church gathered around that man. We began praying and interceding for him. And I'm happy to tell you that that man is still alive and well today, saved by the power of God. I don't know your story, and I don't know what you've done, and I don't know what you've messed with, and I don't know what your background is, but can I tell you, there is no story that you can't step out of. There is no story too dark. There is no story too hard. What story are you living in? Because if it's any story other than the gospel story, it's time to step out of it. It's time to step out of death and into life. God is calling someone. God is wanting to set somebody free forever this very morning. So step out of that story, step out of the lies, step out of the narrative that somebody else created for you, and step into freedom this very day, this morning. I want us to lift our hands and pray. I've gone way too long. We're going to pray right now. Come on. Come on. That's it. Everybody all across this house. That's it. Before we go any further, I want us to pray. Come on. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Some of you have believed the lie that you can't break free from some of this. I, I've been dealing with it too long, and I've believed the lie for too long. No, no, no. It's never too late to step out of your old story. Come on. I don't care if you're a saint of God. I don't care if you're a visitor. Come on. If Jesus talked to you, step out of that story. Come on. There's already some coming. Come on. Come on. It's up to you today. I don't care if you've been living for God for 15 years. Sometimes we can, we can take those stories with us and God says, hey, now's the time to deal with them. Come on. Come on. You've got the power. If you're a saint of God and you have the Holy Ghost, you have the power to step out of that story. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you can come and be filled today. Come on. He's got a new story for you, one filled with love and adoration. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I know this was different today. But well, that's because Jesus is here. Come on, Jesus cannot be put in the box. Come on, the singers are going to sing in just a moment. That's it, that's it. Everybody come. Come on, if Jesus spoke to you, I don't want you to come. I don't want you to hide. I want you to come and I want you to pray. I want you to come and lift your hands. If you need the Holy Ghost, come. Repent of your sins. God will fill you with his spirit. Come on, that's it. There's not enough. To paint a He's moving. He's here. Your splendor. Oh yes. Oh yes. There's oh, not yes. enough words to describe the awesome wonder of your power. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. In His presence, there's true freedom. Come on, there's freedom here. There's liberty here at this altar today. There's love here at this altar today. Come on. Whatever you need, why don't you surrender to Jesus and let him do what only he can do. Come on, try him. You've got nothing to lose. Your mercy is ocean deep. Your love is where I want to be. That's it. Come on, you need deliverance. Come to this front. You need to be set free from pain, heartache, or bitterness. Come on, come to this altar. He'll set you free. Your mercy is ocean deep. You 
mercy. Your love is where I want to love. Your grace is more than I can ever believe. 